1: Pride of Detroit, P-O-D cast, prideofdetroit.com, at Pride to Detroit on Twitter. P-O-D stands for Pride of Detroit, is the first three letters of podcast, hence we call it the P-O-D cast. We're really calling it the Pride of Detroit, Pride of Detroit cast. But you know what, we have to explain it every time, and really just calling it P-O-D cast on its own will make you think that either this is a podcast that's just really excited about capitalizing the first three letters, or it's about the 90s band from San Diego. We're the ATM
2: machine of podcasts.
1: ATM, we are the automatic teller machine. Machine. We are the Los Angeles Angels. The the oh the the Angels. Ange, I whatever. That that other voice right there is Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online. I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett. P-E-R-F-E-T-T. And third member of our crew back again after a brief hiatus from last week, along with uh, the Toto Africa remix. Ryan Matthews. Back is the
3: motherfucking rock guy. At Ryan underscore P-O-D. Ryan, buddy, good to have you back. I love that I get my audio back. I don't get it on first bite. I only get it here. This is where I'm really given a chance to breathe.
1: Yeah, yeah. The, 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 The music drop is for closers. And closers only happen on the P-O-D cast. You know who's getting you know who's getting a a visit from Alec Baldwin tonight folks <laughs> The Detroit Lions San Francisco 30 Detroit 27 in a game with so many storylines but I think the first most obvious point to start at is that hey the Lions didn't look like utter crap At least not not entirely <laughs> yeah <laughs> Okay, let's let's do the rundown real quick for the folks. We're giving our thoughts and the recap of the game here. There's head, there's headlines here. Be it the call at the end of the game where Quandre Diggs looks like he's picking off someone and no. he gets called back. Tracy, not, Walker, Tracy, Walker.
2: Okay,
0: Tracy Walker, Tracy Walker, Tracy Walker at the interception. Listen, I, I've been drinking.
1: I've been drinking in a bar watching this game. I, I'm not I'm not here for this right now. I have notes. I'm not reading them while doing the rundown. We also oh. have we also have the storyline of Legarrette Blunt. Next segment as well, we're also going to be playing uh, what we're calling tentatively good cop, bad cop, where we give you the good news and the bad news after this Detroit Lions loss. And then the return of some famous segments here. Wally's World is back. Rage Corner is back. It's P.O.D. cast. We're in midseason form already, and it's week two. Ryan, you want to jump in here?
3: I... Where to begin? I mean, the lines yeah. didn't look great, but then again, admittedly, a very low, like, a very low bar that they had to jump over, and they didn't really jump over it. They more, like, triple, like, they, they like, tripped, stumbled, and and managed to get above the bar.
1: They, they kind of jumped over it, kind of like you jump over a jump rope. Not, not very high.
3: Yeah, and they kind of, you know, when they jumped over it, they gave it a good old Midwestern, oh, and, uh, Looked a little winded when they came down. It was kind of like, you know, when you watch someone hurdling and they hit every hurdle,
2: but they still finish the race. That that was the Lions today. They crossed the bar technically, but there's still a lot of problems. And
0: glad they
1: didn't trip and break their arm.
3: (laughs) Sure. Well, we're not entirely sure because Graham Glasgow had his arm wrapped up in ice. So true.
0: Yep, Maybe Ezekiel Anza,
1: I mean, Ezekiel Anza was out of this game as well. Like this, this team could be coming apart. It seems when it comes down to it, but uh, whew, this was, I mean, for a road game, this was at least, I mean, I hate to be the optimism guy here, but I mean, the Lions got it close late in the game. Granted, again, as we are going to continue to ask ourselves, why can't they do that through the entire game? but that's just my opinion on the matter. Uh, Any, like, just opening thoughts before we dive into
2: the big headliners from this game? I guess I'll jump in here. Uh, This team looks a lot like it did at the end of last year, and it, it honestly looks a lot like the team did last week, except minus the five turnovers and mostly minus the special teams blunders, although we did get one of those just for fun, too. Um, I think this is exactly how the game would have looked had Stafford thrown two fewer turnovers last week. The Lions kept it close in the third quarter, then everything blew apart. In this case, the Lions also kind of got outscored in the third quarter again, but not so much where they were completely out of the game. So Stafford was in there in the fourth quarter, did his fourth quarter magic as he typically does, and the Lions came up short because when you live on the razor's edge of fourth quarter comebacks, you're not going to get them all. And so uh this team is very flawed on defense this team is i can't understand why they're so flawed on offense but they are and every, like this is this is what every game going to look like this season it's going to be frustrating the lines are going to probably pull a couple of these out in, in in latent games but uh they're they're not going to control games from start to finish that's just not who the 2018 lines are
1: Ryan, do you see this as being sustainable, as Jeremy says, for each game? Or do you think this is just a matter of they were matched up an opponent like the San Francisco 49ers that they could exploit with this kind of, you know, usual script?
3: I think Jeremy's assessment is is pretty on point when when he says, you know, that this team kind of looks like the same team that the Lions were towards the end of the season last year, where it was uh, survive in advance for the most part it also kind of reminds me like how great the 2016 season was because it was, it was this, but it was all like sunny side up. It was always like Matthew Stafford and the Lions offense coming through in the clutch. And it just goes to show like what an anomaly that season was like statistically. Um, but I, I am like a little bit more optimistic about the team than I was after last week's disaster. And I know that's not saying a whole lot because that was honestly one of the worst performances that you'll ever see out of this Lions team in mass, but like Stafford didn't look that much better. And and for, for the fact, for the fact that he only looked like marginally better towards the end of the game, the fact that the game was close, I think is a really, it's a Testament to the defense, but the defense still didn't look good like as a whole, but there were, there were parts of the defense that I like. So, I mean, I think I think my big takeaway from this game is that there were like parts that I was impressed with in bursts. But then like as a whole picture, like everything is still (laughs) terrible.
1: Two thoughts, two thoughts for me. One is that Stafford, I'm just shocked Stafford ended this game with no interceptions because once again, he is kind of throwing like pre 2016 Stafford out there where there's just some really haphazard throws he's making that I'm just. I'm boggled he's still making. I thought we had Guru whispered all of the bad juju out of him, but it's still happening. But, hey, you know, three touchdowns, you know, passer rating of 101.7, QBR of 50. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, the other thought is is that you mentioned the defense there, Ryan. Um, I just think the 49ers offensive line is bad, probably worse than the Lions offensive line. And I think that's that's probably the defense looking good is probably an anomaly that does not carry over into the
3: coming mm. weeks. They they should they should well by that you know by that pretense then they also should have been much better against the Jets.
1: That's true. Yeah, I mean the Jets of course getting smashed down in Miami. I mean at home against the Miami Dolphins,
2: maybe bringing uh, Fireman Ed back down to earth a little bit there. It's all, <laughs> and, I mean it, it's also worth noting that the Vikings only had three sacks on Jimmy Garoppolo in Week One. And the Lions had double
3: that. They had six. Ah, uh, you took my step before I could use it later <laughs> in the show, you jerk bag. <laughs> Yeah, uh,
0: I
1: mean, I, I refuse to believe that. Just I wa- I was watching the offensive line. And again, I'm an idiot. I know nothing about offensive line play, but.
2: No, yeah. I, you, you yeah. do have a point. I don't think the 49ers offensive line is very good. Of course. Lakeland
3: Tomlinson plays for the 49ers. Of course, it's not great. Ooh, yeah. ooh. No, exactly. Lakeland Tomlinson, very nice guy. Not a good football player, though. Former lion.
1: All right, now we should get on to the two big narratives from this game and why I am sure we are going to disagree with probably about half of them. Uh, where do you want to start? Do you want to start on Blunt or on the holding call?
2: Well, let's just jump into the holding call because I feel like right. a lot of people may... A lot of people probably have a lot of different takes on this. Um, It, it was actually kind of interesting. We put up a couple of posts on on the article because on the play because I think it's an important play regardless of... You know, whether you think it was a good call or a bad call, or if, you, if you're if you the kind of person that blames the entire game on that or thinks it was just an important nugget. Lions, down three, just over two minutes left. Tracy Walker, of all people, rookie, cuts in front of a Jimmy Garoppolo pass, nearly picks six it, gets down inside the, line, the 49ers' 10. It's called back on a hold by Quandre Diggs. Guys, was it a good, good call or a bad call?
1: See, I have no clue, because I tried watching this on, again, I, I let, let me set the scene for you. I was in an L.A. bar. Did I say this in the podcast, or was I saying this pre, pre-show? I can no longer remember. I've had a lot of drinks. Pre-show. Pre-show. Up. Okay, cool. So I was in a bar, and at the same time on was Raiders Broncos. So imagine which game had the volume up. Again, this is Los Angeles. Now. With that in mind, they were showing that play. They, I did see the holding call and I did see the replay video. But I mean, at the time, because I was getting really bad cell reception service in there, I was not tuned into Twitter, to Lions Twitter, so I was discon I was disconnecting from the hive mind. I was thinking independently, and I thought, Oh, that's a really awful call to take in that spot, but I have no clue if it's actually a good call or a bad call to make. It's a so, uh, that's
3: where I was. Yeah, I you know what? before I get into whether or not I think it's a good call or bad call, it was a game changing call. That's for sure. And I think that I think if, if you're going to throw a flag on that play, it needs to be something that is so apparent that there's no question of whether or not it was holding or not. You know, I like, like if you're those, those subjective calls, like, and I don't know, like it's something that just needs to be so apparent that like, when you show it on replay, it's like, Oh yeah. Quandre Diggs was holding there. And, you know, in I, I did see uh Chris Burke from The Athletic. He he tweeted out uh Quandre Diggs' thoughts of it. And you know, Diggs said that it was awful and that, you know, them calling holding didn't know that you could hold somebody when or hold somebody when you're jamming them at the line. And it didn't necessarily happen at the line of scrimmage, but it I don't I I don't think it was the right call, but at the same time, like there was enough contact that like the flag came from like the opposite sideline though, too. Right. I'm not sure it's possible. I, I, I think I remember on, I think I remember the replay seeing the flag coming from like the opposite sideline. And it's like the ref is just so far away from the play that if, if you see Kittle like stumble because there is contact between him and Diggs, like you're probably going to throw that flag. Is it a huge bummer? Absolutely. I just I don't know if it's I don't know if it's necessarily good call or a bad call.
2: Yeah, look, well, I have a I have a couple takes on this real quick. One is that I'm again I, I think I'd say this every year at least once. Shame on Fox's broadcasting crew because we didn't get a good replay of this. We got one replay of of a horrible nose games. that we could barely see. Yeah, exactly. And I was gonna
1: say Mike Pereira was pretty. I was watching Mike Pereira got his nose in this game pretty well, and then suddenly not around for the holding
2: call too much. Right. So. Um. So I, I can't definitively say either, yes or no. Maybe, maybe the All-22 has a different point of view that I can tell, but I, I'm with you. I can't really say for sure or not whether that was a, a holding, but it didn't look flagrant enough um, to where it was obvious. But my second point here is, does it have to be? And, and this is kind of like an overall officiating question. When the game is tight, when it's a big play like that, do you want it like like in basketball where they kind of let stuff fly? They they kind of officiate differently in in critical points in the
3: game. Do you want that? I'm, yes. I'm
2: honestly asking.
3: Yes. Brian. Uh, that's like should it? I don't know if it should be situational because like the rules are the rules, right?
2: And, and and you also have to come down. You have to realize this flag was thrown before the pick happened. Like he he threw this while he saw it happening. He's not paying attention to what happened on that side of the field. He's looking at a very. Specific point of, of the field that he's directed to look at. So it's not like, you know, the whole conspiracy thing, which I'm, I don't, maybe that's what I'm going to talk about in Rage Corner. I haven't decided yet. <sighs> but
1: I, Man, I can't, but like, maybe I'm just so nulled to it at this point. Like every time people talk about the refs screwing the Lions, I just, I hear white noise and I tune out, man. Like I'm looking at all the papers right now and like, no one's, no one's blaming the refs on this because you know why? Because I'm sure Jeremy is going to get it at some point, but if the Lions were actually good enough to win the game, they wouldn't have to have it come down to the ticky tack call breaks the game for them. So here's,
2: here's the thing that's frustrating as a fan. Yeah. You see a play like that, this guy, Quandre Dix had nothing to do with this play. This this happened way away from the play. If he wouldn't have held him, nothing would have changed on this play. Absolutely nothing. And that's what's frustrating to see just as an overall officiating overlook in this whole thing, is that something that happened away from the play that wasn't going to have effect on the game, completely changed the, the the future of this game. And that's frustrating to see from a fan point of view because it sucks. I mean, it, it's almost like the block in the back on, on Jamal Agnew's punt return touchdown. Absolutely the right call, but Agnew scores without that block in the back. And so in that case, it's, it's still on the guy who blocked him in the back because why did you do that? You didn't need to. But in this case, okay. it's just like Quandry Diggs. Maybe he held, maybe he didn't, but it had nothing to do with the play. And you can't know that as a ref. You can't know that the play's not going there and not calling it but it's just I, I, frustrating as a
1: fan. I do want to give the last word to this, and we got to really move on to Blunt because we are running out of time for the first segment. Uh, from Quandre Diggs' own words, he is saying the, in parentheses, official, this is from the Detroit News, so probably another word there, the official who was supposed to make that call, he said he didn't make the call. I think that says enough. We're just going to leave that there for Quandre Diggs. I want to talk about LeGarrette Blunt in two minutes or less. LeGarrette Blunt jumped in as Stafford was getting chased down along the sidelines from what i understood it looked like he thought that Stafford was you know push he had gone out of bounds early and that that the 49ers kind of hit him late i mean i that that's only if you assume that he got his arm out of bounds or something but whatever either way LeGarrette Blunt off the sidelines comes up and sh- and like just just right out there shoving 49ers immediately and uh the takes are flying on this one. Uh what did you feel about what he did?
3: I, I, I thought it was totally I mean, it it was justified. Somebody had to do it. That's the franchise's quarterback. Like if Matthew Stafford goes down, the season ends there is no lion season to even gripe about you it, it's not even there's no point in tuning in if but Matt he he, did he really
1: did he really get the hit that hard
3: that it looked like he was going to be like uh, like his health was going to be threatened though doesn't, doesn't matter it's the principle of the thing like if, okay. if, if you're if your quarterback is running out to the sideline and and it admittedly like he wasn't out of bounds yet but he was making the move to go out of bounds like there was no chance that Stafford was gonna like stop on a dime and go back inside and like cut past like elijah lee and if if if, he, if the quarterback's making that move i think it's kind of just understood that like nobody's gonna like shove the quarterback but then you know lee making that play blunt you know jumping out there like blunt is nobody who's like you know you know a- averse to like doing things like this like i mean blunt is somebody who <laughs> is rather blunt but- But, like, I thought it was, was, like, totally justified. Like, somebody has to stick up for your quarterback. Otherwise, other teams see that happen, and they're like, nobody's going to stick up for, you know, pretty boy back in the pocket. So, you know, get your licks in.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I... I think that whole narrative is a bit overblown. I don't, I don't think teams really look at tape and like, Oh, they're going to let me get away with that. I'm going to get away with it. Like I, I think, but what about Matthew Stafford?
3: What about Stafford's perspective?
2: Sure. And, and maybe that's true. And, and, you know, to the 49er who made that hit, he probably knew that, you know, someone was at least going to get in his face and there's a right way to do that. And there's a wrong way to do that. And I think LeGarrette Blunt took the wrong way. First of all, because he wasn't even in on the play. He came off the bench and, and, essentially shove that guy down and yeah, the 49ers guy did a good job drawing a penalty there, but I think you just kind of get in his face. Like you don't shove him. You just literally go face mask to face mask and tell him, Hey, you fucking do that again. I'm putting you on the ground.
1: All right. Well, um, I have one more question about this game, but we really need to take a timeout. We're going to take a timeout. I'm going to come back with the one last posing question we have from this game and then we are going to start playing you know we're, we're going to take upsides and downsides on this game we're going to talk about what's been improved in the lions and maybe causes for more panic and concern because hey guess what as much as the lions look improved they are still owen two uh stick around we'll be right back on the pride of detroit pod cast
4: Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited.
1: Friday Detroit POD cast rolling right along. Footloose and fancy free. Question I want to ask is because I mentioned Stafford and we talked a lot about Stafford here, but I mentioned his play and we talked about Blunt, you know, protecting quote unquote the franchise. But there are a lot. I've got to say, man, we thought Stafford was secure for a while here, but the knives are out for Stafford among some fans right now. Uh, I don't agree with all of them, but I—I I mean, I'm just—I hate to box score read. Jeremy hates when I box score read, but so I mean, looking at this, Stafford completed 64 percent of his passes, but like I, I'm just—I was just watching some of his deep balls in this game, and I don't know if you read the same thing I do, but I thought he overthrew a lot of his receivers deep. Uh, definitely, like de- definitely saw just it—it it, it just doesn't look like he can really hit some of i mean granted jones and tate were pretty well covered deep but at some point no. you expect
2: what you're, you're absolutely right i mean yeah. i think the box score is absolute fools fools gold in this game you know 374 yards or 347 yards 101 pass rating all that looks great three touchdowns no interceptions but he also had a very critical fumble on a very poor decision from himself 6. oh yeah 5. I yard, that fumble yeah, yeah 6.5 yards per ten her attempt is not very good. And like you said, he missed on some very key plays where he could have, I mean, he could have thrown for 500 yards today. He yeah. Really I, he he, throw, he two two more threw touchdowns.
1: Over, two more touchdowns, including one in the end zone. Marvin Jones, if he had just thrown it, like he threw it over Jones's head. I thought Jones had it dead to rights too. And he just overthrew him. And like, yeah, in, in this league, in this NFL, it's not hard to make those short mid yard passes anymore. Like and you know the reason you're paying Stafford the money is you want him to also go deep as well. So like, I mean, I, I'm not ready to bury Stafford, but I think there are some criticism of him that are logical when you're paying him this much money. I don't know how you guys
2: feel. I don't. I don't like bringing the money thing into it because that. Okay. That's said and done. I mean, he's your franchise quarterback. This is this is the guy who you're riding, and I'm I'm perfectly fine for it. I'm not going to let two games, two subpar games from him change that like w- you have to think about what's the alternative here do you want no that no. I, I know
1: i know there's no alternative but at the same time like that doesn't mean that this guy that he's blameless like but oh, i'm of just course. saying like yeah. like we're yeah, yeah. we're shifting away though because like i feel like over the past year or so that it has been more about well stafford doesn't get help the offensive line doesn't right. look good no and now Staff- it's absolutely yeah there's some criticism to make of
2: stafford absolutely absolutely and you know he 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 wasn't getting a lot of help. I mean, this game might have been a lot different had had Riddick made one of the final two catches of the game. But absolutely, Matthew Stafford deserves some criticism from this game because it has kind of been a a pattern of his behavior that he's inaccurate early in games, and that's the one thing that that was different from this game and last week's game. Last week's game was a lot of bad decisions. This game was just a lot of inaccurate throws, and to me, that's a little bit more consistent with the matthew stafford that we've seen he's he's not always the most consistent thrower His deep ball passes are kind of hit and miss very much and today it was just a missed day so it's a bad day from him but it, it it's not something that that has me worried long term
3: Brian, thoughts i think to describe it as a missed day is a little bit of an understatement for me i, I mean i truly think that what held the lions back today on offense was matthew stafford like point blank and i think he's i think he's deserving of a ton of blame i mean there were of those deep balls that you know brenneman kept on losing his mind over i think legitimately there were there were there were two or three of them that stafford probably wishes he had back and had he gotten those passes back and connected with those guys we're looking at a different scoreboard totally completely like i i think that for sure like it's a It's really frustrating, and I think it goes back to the quote that Stafford had after the Jets game in week one. Like, you know what? Like, we have to be better, and that, like, starts and ends with me. Like, Stafford understands that on offense, this offense will only be as good as Matthew Stafford makes it, and we've seen that year after year after year, and we've given him, you know what? What if we add a running game? What if the Lions, you know, they get an offensive line? They get receiver... Everything is there and the offensive line isn't playing as well as it could as it's supposed to on paper, but I think it's giving him enough. I think Matthew Stafford's decision-making in this game was pretty poor. I think his like lack of pocket awareness was, was rather bad. Like he was rushing decisions. He was checking the ball down a ton when he didn't need to
2: i'm I'm very eager to see the all 22 because it, i i'm with you there he did seem to be a little checked down and happy today and
3: he, yeah and he seemed a little skittish and i understand that the pressure is there sometimes but he was making like decent moves in the pocket but then he would he would either step up in the pocket or move left or move right get himself into a better position and then it wasn't survey the field he had he had a little bit of time but like it was immediately checked down to somebody checked down and to somebody it's
2: almost like last week when he admittedly said himself. I I tried to do too much that he's like, okay, I'm going to go in the absolute opposite direction and try to do too little.
3: Yeah. Total opposite and like adjustment. And it's, I think he deserves a lot of blame for this. Yeah. As, as I said last week and
1: kind of in the rant, like if Matt Stafford wants to be considered a top 10 quarterback, he's got to start playing like it. Agreed anyway uh now that we 've gotten that out of the way i 'm glad we got that in depth actually, because uh, I think that was kind of that, that 's an under that 's an understated storyline from this game i 'll be curious to see how that evolves over the course of this season. uh Jeremy wanted to talk about the upsides to this game, and I am going to let him deliver to you optimism of why you should not completely count out the lions, and then i 'm going to come back and tell you why you should be scared shitless. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, okay. I I almost I wanted to do a whole segment on optimism just because I know the easy thing would right now would be to shit on the team and talk about oh the no this is all that sort of stuff. Oh, it's absolutely easy because the Lions aren't a good team. I'm going to say that right up front. But I want to talk about some optimistic things we pulled from this game that might make this team at least entertaining to watch some weeks. And so let let's start off. We we mentioned it briefly in the first segment. Let's talk about the pass rush in this game, because granted the 49ers offensive line, not that good, but we were talking about this pass rush. Like we weren't going to see any sacks from this team at all. And they had six sacks on six, Sunday, baby. And, and Jimmy Garoppolo was, was running for a lot of this game, if we're being honest. And so you look at a guy like Devon Kennard, not a, people, not a lot of people were excited about this, uh, this pickup. Guy only had, what, nine sacks in his career coming in. He has three already through two games hey even even jared davis picked up two sacks in this game i'm not gonna sit here and stand for i,
1: I was shocked when i saw davis like what was he on one of those sacks and nearly got him close to a safety too like one of those pressures
2: maybe but like yeah, yeah we're we're talking about six sacks in this game eight qb hits total um that's something to, to be optimistic about well i didn't expect that out of this line's Team, especially with is like, because last week we saw what the pass rush was like with Ezekiel Ansah. Then once he was gone, there was nothing. No Ezekiel Ansah the entire game today. Six sacks. That's that's something to be at least a little bit happy about. What does
1: Bill Simmons call this effect? The Patrick Ewing effect. Are we having a Patrick Ewing effect <laughs> with Ezekiel Ansah? <Anza? laughs> no, we're not. But <laughs> he's not good enough to be the Patrick Ewing effect.
2: <laughs> I didn't say that either. Do you do you have a, a bad cop? take on that
1: no i have no bad take on this game i think if you're looking for optimism from this game this is a good place to start uh let's i mean more optimism carry on johnson absolutely looked, looked a lot more comfortable today
2: they finally gave him, i don't i shouldn't say finally gave him a chance it's only a second game but yeah i i, I mean
1: i mean good I, targets too five catches on five targets as well like he's showing that he is as versatile as he should be
2: yeah and s- stupid ass me tweeted out the Lions are dangerously close to establishing the run early in the third quarter. And then the next two hey. plays are, are holding plays on the lines and they back themselves up and do it. Can we talk,
1: First can we talk defense. once again, the, the the Detroit Lions have finished a game with just slightly under a hundred yards rushing just, just but, by two, just by two. And I yeah, will say I, this, like I was, uh, I was with a friend who was a 49ers fan. And he saw that Kenny Galladay touchdown, you know, the one where he's getting spun around, but he still has the wherewithal to drag his toe and get his arm past the pylon. And he said right there, Sports Center top 10. And he was impressed by Galladay the entire day. Like
2: Galladay he thought Gall- Galladay yeah. was very, very good. Back-to-back good games for him. But just to go back on the running game a little bit, I, I I think there's optimism there. And honestly, I think the pass protection is is pretty good. And so we one talked to a little two. bit we blunted great before he started punching people again he was great <laughs> uh overall lines 98 yards five and the bigger number there is 5.4 yards per carry now the lines just need to stop falling behind by 17 fucking points so <laughs> they aren't running it only 18 times a game and actually can establish the running game uh that being said i just think I don't know how the Lions offense gets in a rhythm with this running game because it seems like when they were successful on the run, they would be unsuccessful in the pass game and and stutter out. And, like, they'd be – the thing that was most frustrating about this game, especially early on, is that because the Lions running game was okay, they got themselves into a lot of third and shorts, third and threes, third and threes, third and fours, third and threes. They went 0 for 4 on their first four opportunities on third and three or, or third and four and less. And that's just unacceptable. I don't know if that's Matthew Stafford. I don't know if that's Jim Bob Cooter. I'm guessing it's definitely a combination of the two, but when you have a good, like this is the whole thing that we were talking about. Once Matthew Stafford gets a running game, he'll be in better situations where he's not throwing on third and 17 and has to hit Kenny Galladay 40 yards down the field. Now he's getting those opportunities and the lines aren't converting on third and threes. And I don't know what's up, but it's frustrating. But again, we're This is supposed to be the optimistic segment and I'm ruining it again.
1: I was about to say, you're starting to transition to where
2: I want to go. Right. But no, if, if the Lions can get it together early in the game, the fact that this running game had a pretty solid game against a very good Niners defensive front, that's positive. And so pass rush running game two positive things that I'm not sure we expected coming into this game.
1: All right. Now it's my turn. Before I point to the schedule, I just want to quote something from Justin Rogers, who gave the secondary a D plus here. And I've kind I'm I'm kind of with it right now. I I don't think it's fair for him to to put Quandre Diggs kind of blown uh holding call part there, but I will say, like, he he does mention T's Tabor, first start of the season, blows a zone assignment on a first half touchdown. Uh they give up six passes of fifteen yards or more, really struggled with penalties from a few of the guys. Like if that's going to be the strength of the team is suddenly kind of struggling with a team like the 49ers, I'm kind of a little worried. Uh, I will say this. I, I, I'm not there with this front seven. I'm just not. I, they looked a lot better. They at least looked like they belonged in a football field. They did not look like they belonged, as I called them on the Niners Nation interview, the Beak squad at Wayne State. But there's a lot of work to go, man. I don't think the 49ers are that good of a football team. And I am kind of worried playing kind of the what-are-they game because the NFL is so weird and so wild. But at the same time, this is a this this feels like a fool's gold game for me, looking at it. And once again, I'm sorry, I have to look at the schedule ahead. And I'm already being beat out there by Carlos Monarez saying 0-5, oh, and, and I have people asking me, uh, how does it feel to go zero and five? Because we're going zero and five. I don't know if we're going if the Lions are going zero and five, but I'm just saying next week is Sunday night football, and the Jacksonville Jaguars just took it to the New England Patriots, made Tom Brady look like a fool. Vegas knows quite well how New England does in these bounce back games, and you damn well better be sure. All that surveillance tape that that <laughs> that Bill Belichick's been making. On Matt Patricia, every moment he was living in Massachusetts, he's digging it all up right now. Every moment where he went to shit, he's looking at it. He's looking for anything he can use. We'll say this, on the positive note, Patricia did trim the beard. So, good good things. But, like, again, I think this is going to look like a very rocky road to start. I don't see where the Lions get some good favorable matchups going forward and i am worried because of what we the two things we said are the strengths of this team before the season starts is matthew stafford and the and the defensive backfield both of them look like they're in trouble and i don't know how consistent the other elements of this team are to say that that will offset it
2: i okay i have a couple things there's a lot to unpack there um with the matthew stafford thing i think that's something that you can Pretty much rely on getting better eventually, and I know mm, you might fight me it? on that. Yeah, I think will it,
1: will it? Will it? Okay, okay. We have
2: we have three years under Jim Bob Cooter now to prove that he doesn't normally play like this. So I'm not worried about that. The defensive okay. backfield, though, that to me is absolutely worrisome because it's looked really bad two weeks in a row. The Darius only Slay once again
1: another scare
2: on Darius Slay too. I'm kind of worried well, about his health. A much more significant scare in that he did suffer a concussion and did not come back in this game and he's been kind of quiet anyways not saying he's been bad but he's been quiet the only guy that really looks good out there right now is is Quandre Diggs I almost said Glover Quinn which is absolutely not the right answer Uh, Quandre Diggs only guy that really looks good out there and I'm also not gonna harp on his hold there because he had a couple of past breakups in this game but You know, Tease Tabor, first start of the year, gets benched for Nevin Lawson. The only reason he probably comes back in this game is because uh, Darius Slay is pulled. And Glover Quinn, again, looks slow, again, looks lost. Um, Who else is out there? I mean, maybe, maybe the reason that we saw Tracy Walker out there picking off a pass that late in the game is because they don't have any other answers out there. And that's definitely a big problem. And when you have guys like Jimmy Garoppolo and Sam Darnold lighting this defense up, completing like 80% of their passes and throwing for 118 passer ratings. Um, That's going to be real bad news when Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady are in town.
1: Yeah, baby. Ryan, any final thoughts on this?
3: It's going to get better. I, I truly think that, like, I, I think that there's, there isn't a ton of talent on the roster. Now we were, we were, we were pretty confident that the secondary was like, you know, going to be the best part of this defense. And so far, like the defense as a whole has just kind of been bad, but there've, there've been flashes. Like, I mean, even today, like getting six sacks and getting like consistent pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo, regardless of whether or not their offensive line is any good. I mean, like go back to the preseason. Like, I mean, we were thinking that the sky was falling because the lions could get zero pressure on anybody. Didn't matter if they were playing the Raiders. Didn't matter if they were playing, you know, whoever it was. So, I think truly, like, it's just going to take time. And I know that none of us really have the patience for this. And it's, you know, they're not dress rehearsals anymore. Like these are the real things. The Lions are zero and two. Like the chances that playoffs the chances of a team making the playoffs after starting zero and two are basically slim to none. Yeah, I just, but, I mean, oh, sorry, go on. I, I'm just thinking that there's good, there's room for progression, and I think that you're going to start to see some things start to coalesce and gel a little bit better.
1: I hope so, because I'm just saying, I'm watching Sunday Night Football right now, and the Dallas Cowboys offensive line is like parting the Red Seas for Ezekiel Elliott. And I can't imagine what that's, that's going to look like in...
2: Yeah, we didn't even uh, talk much about the Lions' run defense, but... Ugh!
1: yeah yeah okay well i think that's enough yeah we're good we're good we're gonna take the next segment to bring back some old favorite segments we've had here uh we finally made ryan get us a a wally's world we're gonna hear from wally if you don't know who Wally is, we will explain. It's been a minute, and and Jeremy is helping to bring back Rage Corner. Uh, the music is in is in reproduction stage, so he's not going to have an intro, but he just wants to rage. We'll be right back. Wally time here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Yes, I am opening with the music. It's been too long since this. We do this out of love. I just want to preface that because I feel like I think Ryan was worried a little bit that maybe we're harping too much on Wally. And it's not, it's, it's just that I love the fact that we found someone like this out in the wild and that we can, it's, it's someone who we cherish.
3: Yeah. You, I mean, you think it's the wild, but they, they literally like are right in my backyard. So
1: the call is coming from inside the house and the call is, the call (laughs) is telling you why Patricia should be fired. Sir, this is a Wendy's. All right. Background on Wally. Wally is, well, I'll let Ryan explain. I like it better when you explain who Wally is. Well, Wally is, Wally is Ryan's father. And again, yes. like Wally's not his actual, like it's, it's, it's his nickname. It's his nickname. It's not his actual name. It's, it's something deriving to Wally. We'll just say that. Um, I've met Wally before. He is a kind, gentle man. He is very lovable. He's very sweet he is true blue in everything about detroit he works in one of the auto factories uh for his ge- for his general security we will not say which one but <laughs> he, let, let's just say he works in the auto industry and what he's on uh what shift like he's he's on a late shift he's on a late shift and so he has plenty of time to fill his head in everything else with sports talk radio and sports talk television so everything you can imagine everything bad about 97.1 the ticket and first take and undisputed and all those other shows which can't which i mean i don't know if i want to say bad because like that's that's how the sausage is made that's what we're going to do we're going to yell about sports things it's just a matter of how much we're yelling about them and what criteria we use to yell about them and how much we disagree and whether the disagreement is is opinion or not either way wally swims in the primordial soup of the hot take yes and so yes. when he comes back to ryan it is distilled he has he has taken everything from that primordial stoop and he is ready to speak like an oracle the one sentence of everything distilled to to the it's the opinion <laughs> of the of the
3: true blue auto worker sports fan yes Precisely. I think you just described who Wally is better than I could even describe who my own father is. So I I try to be a poet. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially what we do here, uh, I I bring a story from from yesterday's or or whenever from Wally to you, the listener. And because I wasn't able to get on the show last week, I really want to bring to be clear. Before
1: we begin, I just want to say, too, we are totally ripping off what Dan does does with his father, too.
3: Totally. I mean, inspired. I don't want to say inspired. Rip off. But inspired. inspired,
1: lovingly yeah. inspired.
3: Wally is a spiritual successor to Poppy. So um, I hope so. Yes, uh, I, I could only hope that Walt could strive for levels like that. But anyway, so last week didn't have the chance to join the podcast due to uh, circumstances. And Wally and I are watching the first game. We're watching Monday Night Football together. It's before halftime, so you know we haven't, you know, hit DefCon one yet. But things aren't looking good. And camera cuts to Patricia on the sideline. Uh, Wally shoots me a, uh, you know, man. Patricia looks like he's been putting on weight ever since he took the job. He didn't look, he didn't look that big when he was, uh, when he was in New England. So just like jokingly, just because I know that like this is something that probably somebody has talked about. And I say, you know, yeah, it's probably from stress eating. And my father looks at me square in the eyes and goes, Ryan, you might not be wrong. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't say you might be right. He he hits me with the, the double negative of you might not be wrong. <laughs> and I kind of just look back at him and he didn't have anything to say. He just like got his tablet back out and started looking at fantasy sports because like, that's how he like views football now. Like it's definitely like a commodity that he can like, you know, trade and consume. So sports and football just in general have like taken on like a different turn for Wally. But like now when he has observations to make, it's about like the size of the head coach not about like things that are going on in the game he's reading he's moved on to the dreaded body language phase yes he has and i you know what i can tell you one other quick little wally wally's world story so so last sunday wally and i played each other in the first week of fantasy football and it was just a no good day for my fantasy team because I benched Patrick Mahomes and I benched Tyreek Hill against my better judgment. I'm a, I'm an awful, I'm an awful person. I'm an awful person getting that out of the way, but I go out and I want to hang out with some people and, and watch the games. I come back and Wally's wearing these, these bifocals scrolling through his tablet, looking at his fantasy app. And he looks at me and he goes, left some points on your bench huh (laughs) (laughs) it's
1: the first thing not how was your night not not you know did you have fun it's it's like god you suck at fantasy football
3: oh no yeah we're we're past the courtesies we're we're past all that stuff it's just immediately hey i dumped your ass in fantasy football this year just remember just remember (laughs) you wouldn't be here without me
1: I cannot wait because we're getting deeper into the college season too. And I just remember that picture of Wally hiding behind the couch during the Michigan, Michigan state game. And uh, yeah.
3: I've showed all my friends the, he didn't get it video. And now it's just, it's something that's like worked into like all of our lexicon. Like, it's just like, we we'll just like shout he didn't get it for he whatever He
0: didn't
1: get reason. it. No uh. No uh. We never played that on the POD podcast and <laughs> I'd have to go find it, but we'll play it yeah. at some point later when we're like running low on Wally's world stuff, but rest assured it is good to have Wally back. Tell your father hi for me.
3: I I will. I will. Awesome.
1: All right, this is where I normally play the rage corner music, but I'm trying to uh clean it up, make it uh a little more presentable. So I don't have it for this week. Uh Jeremy it's time to shift in and let you be the angry hot taker
2: well if you're trying to clean up the the rage corner music to make it more family friendly i'm afraid this is not going to be a family friendly i'm just taking out, anyways I'm just, I'm
1: just taking out Uh-oh. all the foul
2: references from it that's all uh oh how hard is it to do clock management in the nfl why does every nfl cut co- coach suck So bad at it that they can't understand general strategy. General fucking strategy. Because at the end of this end of the first half, the Lions were in a perfect situation defensively. On first down with the with the 49ers have the ball about a minute 50 left. First down, incomplete pass. Awesome. Not only do they gain no yards, they stop the clock. So if you want the ball back, you got a real good shot at it now. Second down, even better. You get a sack by Christian Jones, nine yards. So now they're back at their own thirteen yard line. I'm sorry, no, they're back at their own four yard line. So now you have them in a long third down. They're probably not going to go for it because they're deep in their zone, and any sort of dangerous play could result in disaster. So you know they're not going to really try and get get a fourth or third nineteen conversion. You know you're going to get good field position because they're at their own four yard line. The only thing you need to do is call a freaking timeout because. By the time this play ends, it's 1.42. You can get the ball back theoretically now with, I don't know, 1.30 at the most. Instead, Patricia lets all the time run out on the the play clock. The next play takes part at 1.02. 40 seconds gone. After that, incomplete pass. So you don't have to use a timeout. Thank goodness, because you probably wouldn't have called it there, and then you would have only had 20 seconds left. Now, it'd be one thing if Matt Patricia was like, you know what? I wasn't thinking about it. This isn't usually my call. I'm a first-time head coach. It slipped my mind. Won't happen again. But nope, Matt Patricia, noted rocket scientist, pencil in his ear, doubles down in the press conference saying, nope, we wanted to keep them exactly where we needed them, which is exactly where we had them. He's talking about the timeouts. So it was great. We moved the ball downfield. We got into scoring range, which is exactly where we wanted to be. So it was actually perfect. Now, Matt, Patricia, I know you're smarter than this. I know that you know just because the result turned out okay, that means that doesn't necessarily mean that the right decisions were made. That is utter. There's no defending what he did there. There's no defending let 40 seconds run off the clock. You are a better team. You are a team in a better position with those 40 seconds on, your, on the clock with one less timeout. The timeout does not matter. It, it saves you 40%, 40 seconds on defense. only saves you about 15 on offense. So that's a 25-second difference. So if you're getting the ball back, you would rather have that 40 seconds than that 15 seconds you saved with a timeout on offense. Utter bullshit. Horseshit i the easiest thing. I can sit here, and there's not a lot of things I can say I do better than an NFL coach. I can't say here I can call a better play than Jim Bob Cooter. I can't. I can complain about Jim Bob, Scooter, Bob Cooter's play call. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Holy God. Holy
1: God. Okay, shut you, it down. Shut it you, down. You might want
2: to believe that part. But I'm saying, like, I can sit here and say I am a better clock manager than Matt Patricia if he thinks what he did was right. I can say that I'm a better clock manager than most NFL coaches because I don't understand how the easiest thing to see from home is so distant to these NFL coaches because it's, there's no defending what he did none nothing no ma- no matter what he said it was going to make me mad but what he said doubling down on his strategy is inane to me I don't understand it I don't understand how some people can be so smart in some areas and so fucking idiotic in others because it's it's frustrating it didn't necessarily cost the lines on on sunday but it will cost them again if they try that again you know
1: what else you can do better than an nfl coach what's that dress better than them
2: that's not true i am a horrible dresser
1: i i i I know you are and yet i am saying you can dress better than them by the way first thing my 49ers friend told me when he looked at uh uh, patricia was i was the one who noticed they trimmed the beard and he was like, oh, hey, Patricia's wearing his hat on straight now.
3: So. Interesting. Interesting. Mm. Also, was what you just said to Jeremy a compliment or not? Uh,
1: backhanded, I think is the right word. Uh, yeah, to, to yeah, 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 yeah. The I only know. kind of
3: compliment you
2: got in your arsenal.
1: I mean, I, I, I used a lot of them for Wally, so I didn't have many left. <laughs> Fresh out. Yep, fresh out of fresh out of compliments to give. I will compliment, however, the dress style of uh of Fitz of Ryan Fitzgerald. Who Patrick. uh what? Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick. Did I do it? God damn it, I did it again. I've been doing that all day while I've been drinking. Ryan Fitzpatrick, yes, thank you. Uh who uh yeah, he bared some chest. He looks like Conor McGregor Light. <laughs> He looks. I. I, There's nothing light about his take on Conor McGregor. Yeah, I. I don't know. I don't know.
3: He's definitely. He's got weight on McGregor. I think. I don't know. But uh, him and him and a lineman did something like really weird pregame though. They like Fitzpatrick like lifted up his helmet and exposed his beard. And I don't know if it was a lineman or it was just another Bucks player. They like rubbed beards together.
1: Ooh, that's sensual
3: it it was a little bit that's some avatar shit right there
1: Ooh. do you think uh James Winston gets his job back with fitzpatrick yeah. playing as well as I'm he does i'm not having this conversation
3: I, I think no no i think he does it's just in the xfl <laughs> and with that we are on to the pod cast
1: mailback
4: Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Mail time! The mail, time. mail,
2: time. mail here! Time. Time. Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me want to wag my
4: tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Mail,
1: mail time. Hashtag ask POD as always get your questions in bear in mind. We're trying to get these games out these things out on Sunday night, unless they're a primetime game next week, we will have a thread for ask POD, but by and large during the season, because we kind of like fly this from the chin, it's going to be on uh, your Twitter Look for the calls for it. Hashtag ask POD. That's where we ask for, for the questions. I, I said, we'd get to reviews. We were too mad to do reviews last week. Jeremy
2: okay this week we have two reviews one good one bad just we, we have a, a bad good cop bad cop thing going i guess this entire podcast can we do the bad one first sure
1: i'd rather uh, end on a high note yeah
2: yeah uh one star from woody O2O210 and i'm already skeptical based on the uh the username it says yikes Jeremy is great, but, man, the other guys make it sound like it's a chore to do the podcast. Chris really ever knows what he's talking about. I mean, come on. All right, next one. Jacob.music88, five-star, says, impossible to underestimate. This podcast is like getting 80-20 hamburger meat. A lot of fat, but still gets the job done. They start each show off with lines of material that fans can get behind, and it slowly dwindles into the unknown. Overall, it's a very entertaining podcast, and the guys do a great job bringing different fan perspectives. Listen to every show. Thanks, Jacob.
1: Thanks a lot. And yeah, I agree with that. This the show is basically a descent into the madness of Lions Fandom.
2: I mean, let's be honest, by November, you're going to be begging for us to talk about anything other but other than the lions.
1: Which brings us to our first question we have here in the POD cast mailbag from Robert Palma. When can we expect
3: a draft rooting guide? Never. <laughs> Never for me. I I I lost my I lost my brain a little bit when the lions had that disaster that occurred in week one. And I changed my Twitter name to play dead for Ed. And, uh, I mean, I'm not there, but I could get there pretty soon.
2: Never, never, never will I root for draft position. Ever. Hold on.
3: Hold on. Are you a bigger fan of play dead for Ed or suck both for Bosa? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, Am I incriminating myself if I say it's
3: the latter? No. <laughs> <Jesus Christ. laughs> J- Jeremy could never root for an Ohio State player anyways, but. Uh,
1: I know that he seems to just generally be a curmudgeon on these kind of things. Um, I'm a
3: curmudgeon! <laughs> what? <laughs> uh...
1: OK, this question is from last week, but it's too good of a question to have been sitting here on our mailbag it got in a late troy kilgore what's the best thing that's happened in the pod slack channel this week i feel like this needs to be a reoccurring segment
3: it probably should that's a good idea but that just means you have to come up with more theme music damn it yeah you're creating more work for yourself so let's just say let's just say this adding new people to the slack channel has
1: been an excellent idea
3: yeah, kinda. I don't know. Not a not not that big of a fan of the new people. <laughs> no, they're okay. Like they're okay. Hamza's on, my name, favorite. Names. Hamza's my favorite. That's for you, sure. You're, you're
1: only you're only about that because he's younger than you.
3: He, I feel but, I, it's the I, only thing that Hamza has now that he's been banned
2: from Twitter for being a thirteen year old.
3: For being a thirteen year old at one point in his life, Jeremy. Can you elaborate on? no I,
1: is. I, no he's just he's 13 years old yeah he's forever 13 <laughs> in my mind now
3: i want to here chris you wanted my honest opinions here we go yep. ham says okay. my favorite Monster's the one who threatens me the most um <laughs> in more like than one way new than higher than,
2: superlatives right now
3: from both from both a professional and a uh and intelligence standpoint um
1: no, I mean, like he probably um, li- literally threatens you too. Like, yeah, he's gonna, I mean, he he's gonna get you.
3: Well, yeah, he does all the time, and it's about my age. Like, I don't, I don't understand it. But uh, Levy is, uh, is it Levy? Is it Levy or Levi? Like Levi Levi, like the jeans. Okay. Um, sorry, Levi. But um, I mean, I don't, I don't. We see haven't a whole had lot him on the slack
1: yet. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, he's he's kind of our quiet like enforcer of the of the comments.
3: Yeah, uh, John, John Whitaker, always, always a favorite. But I mean, he's like behind Hamza at this point. Um, And then Kelly, Kelly. Eh. (laughs) What? No,
1: she shares all the fun stuff with us. She shares all the uh, all the things people try to say to her because she's a woman on Twitter. And that implies a level of just
3: hell. That's a total hellscape that I. I don't know how she has the mental fortitude to, to deal with that on a daily basis. So kudos to her on that. I mean,
1: that's why she needs to be on the POD cast to explain
3: for sure. Um, but at the same time she has some pretty crappy takes.
2: Yeah, definitely like college football teams right up there.
3: Okay. Okay. Ah, <laughs> uh,
1: okay. Okay. And now I find the next question, even though I don't think we've ever answered Kilgore's question, we will try to have something for you next time. Um, Derek Jelly asking us, are the defensive struggles more an indictment of Patricia or Quinn? Also, given that I try to eat keto and need a food question, what is a better steak cut, ribeye or or New York strip?
3: Can I, I'll I'll answer the first question. I don't eat a lot of red meat, but uh, Wally does, and Wally always gets the uh, ribeye.
1: Is that, I don't think that's more lean than the strip, though, is it?
0: I don't that was
1: think also not the first question. Second question. It's Whatever it doesn't matter at this point. Well, I want uh, you to answer the for the real first one, then, Jeremy. You love these questions.
2: I mean, I don't. I don't like the 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 black and white of the way that that was posed. It's a little bit of both. I think maybe we can give Patricia a little credit for generating pass rush with how bad his personnel was today but the defense was overall bad and especially the run defense and i think it's mostly personnel based i think jared davis continues to really really struggle out there in the one thing that we thought maybe he could do well is run defense he was overrunning plays he was underrunning plays he he just like he can't seem to get the timing down he's either he's either frozen solid or it's running it like a bat out of hell in the wrong direction and so i think i think if you're if you're looking for something specifically laying the the, the line's run defense on, I think it's the linebacking personnel. And that's that's a cooperative effort. I don't I don't want to put that just on Quinn because I think Matt Patricia certainly has a, a style of player that he's looking for, and we're not getting it, I guess.
1: Okay, next question from Mr. Owens to keep pissing Jeremy off. Now that Patricia has shown his D can get pressure on the quarterback without Ziggy, do you think he is definitely leaving after this year?
3: I yeah. thought it, I thought it I thought this was Ansa's last year, regardless of how he performed. Yep.
1: Yep. Okay. Nice. Easy. Next question here. <clears throat> Excuse me as I get my throat cleared up. Yakutut asking us what's up with carrion and his usage going forward? Talk about that goat, please.
3: Slightly, slightly better today. Um, maybe even maybe it was a little bit born out of the fact that you know Blunt couldn't play for essentially like an entire quarter. But I did, I did like how involved he was in the passing game. To be honest, I think I would even like carry on to be out there more than Theo Riddick. Um. I, I, I think that carry on Johnson should just be the guy who's probably getting the most amount of snaps from the running back position. Do you want
1: Johnson over blunt for sure?
3: I, I, yes. In terms of total snaps, I'll say yes. It
4: It is getting
2: kind of to a situation where it looked like carry on could be the new theoretic, except with the ability to run between tackles. So I'm with you. Like I, I kind of want a one, two punch that's, that's carry on and blunt. And, it hurts me to say phasing out Theo Riddick, but, you know, it was a really rough day for him today. Really well, rough t- day for let's him. Let's
1: take today. a question of someone else who might have pinpointed another person who had a rough day from Josh Harrington. Why does Glover Quinn seem exceptionally slow all of a sudden?
3: Oh, man, I, we saw it again today. It's sad. I,
2: I, I don't have a good answer for that, but it's good getting sad. old, man. That's what happens. one of my favorite players on the team. He, he's one of the guys that'll... Literally spent all 45 minutes that the media was allowed in the locker room talking to the media. The entire time he was just talking to media. And one of the nicest guys, one of the smartest guys, and he's been one of the best Lions players. Obviously, he's you know still a captain of this team too. So he's he's a leader, he's a smart guy, but I mean, he's thirty-two years old. Yeah. I I, the, the the real sad part is I I get the feeling this is gonna be his last season too, because we saw the Lions didn't even use him as much as they did in previous years. And maybe they see the writing on the wall. Maybe they're looking for a different guy strategically, but Quinn has one more year on his deal and the Lions can save almost 7 million by cutting him. So
1: I- Can I I also say this too? Usually when they're spending that much time buttoning up with the press, I'm not saying this is what he's doing, but just from my experience and hanging out on athletes now in the media, spend a lot of time talking to the media. You're trying to get ready for a career in, in media.
3: The other thing, too, the Lions did draft Tracy Walker, mm-hmm, all right, will Mcphee asking us choose one Jeeves, Siri, or Alexa, ask Jeeves hands down, Alexa for real, the feds, and so is Siri. I don't think is Jeeves this? was ever I don't think Jeeves was ever like you know shady like that, well, first off, a.
1: Jeeves still doesn't have a voice, though, does he? He's not—he's not the same thing here, right?
2: No, that's—that's okay. that's what we're talking about, though. He knows to keep his mouth shut. Yep, he, he ain't no snitch. B,
1: B, is this a kill Mary fuck?
3: <laughs>
2: God. None of them have the voice that the dear angel of our our broad our podcast recordings software has. If Siri had that voice, I'm, I would say Siri.
1: What? What's the Google voice? Are we just calling it Google? Like, she should have a voice. Sup up, Google? Like, it's a terrible name for her. Yeah, I
2: don't
1: know. I don't anyway, the answer, the, answer the, answer, is kill, yeah. the answer is kill Siri. Marry Alexa. Fuck Jeeves.
3: <laughs> All right. This is the part of the bail bag where we've jumped the shark. Well, well, let's try to get back on it, because John
1: Whitaker's dropped us a question. Uh, the commentators have sucked. Which commentators from other sports would you like to see do a Lions game? So uh, we talked about Tom Brenneman, and uh, Chris Spielman was his color. And guys, you know how much I love Chris Spielman. But uh, volume wasn't up, but I've been told he, uh, you guys were not happy with it. Brenneman
2: sucks. Brennan's the worst I don't even care like Brennan was so bad today that I didn't even care that Chris Spielman was out growling or whatever he was doing today he was actually kind of subdued but probably because the Lions are a bad team
1: I did see they showing some highlights from Spielman's glory days as a Detroit Lion and a Buffalo Bill
2: they, they did because he's he's congrats to him too I mean Hall of hey, fame he, nominee. Fo-
1: he, he played football hey what do you want
2: but here's Here's the thing. I just got done with a rant on time management, and Tom Brenneman actually suggested that the Lions defense calls a timeout to stop the clock with seven minutes remaining in the game. What? Not good. Time management is not as easy as I make it out to be. Jesus Christ.
1: Probably not. Probably not. Megan Nisbet. Oh, wait. We should probably actually answer the part of John's question that's important. So guys from other sports. Uh, I, I was mentioning this to my friend. Um, it's been a long time since I've heard Gary Thorne calling some of the Orioles games. Oh, man. Gary
3: Thorne used to be so good on Hockey Night. Hockey, if yeah. Yeah,
1: he has the famous call, Steve Iserman.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, he's got the Darren McCarty call, too. Mm-hmm.
1: We didn't even talk. We completely forgot last POD cast to talk about Steve Eiserman retiring in Tampa and totally coming back to Detroit to not take that Red
3: Wings job. You ready for this? Hold on. This is me right now. Ready? September 16th. We're recording at 1108. Book it. Book it. Steve Eiserman will be the Detroit Red Wings general manager next season. I am
1: pretty sure at this point when they said that Steve Eiserman wanted to come home, probably meant it literally. And that makes me sad because I want to get, I want to get, I'm one of those people who care very little about hockey, but I want to get excited about the Detroit Red Wings once again
3: telling you right now book it this is holland's last year he's going to retire they want to force him out but they're going to give him one year he's going to retire he's going to pass it on to Iserman. Iserman's going to have tons of cap room it's going to be great wonderful
1: all right uh any answer from you jeremy
3: what was the question it doesn't matter dude that's my (laughs) gimmick
1: (laughs) (laughs) i like it Megan Nisbet asking us, with Halloween coming up, is it? It's 16th of September. I don't want to think about Halloween. All <laughs> right. Uh, with Halloween coming up, what is everyone's favorite horror movie? Now, I don't have a favorite horror movie, but I did see The Predator the other night. Was that any good or what? Um, it's a very dumb movie. And I mean that in probably the nicest, most positive way I can think about it. But it's also insanely, insanely stupid okay, you should see it just don't <laughs> just expect to lose brain cells, i
3: guess
1: got like it it was great like keegan michael k k excuse me excuse me keegan michael k looked. it was great everyone was very funny in the movie uh it it has every it has every eighties action movie trope you could ask for right down to the multi-ethnic crew all willingly sacrificing themselves for the glory of the white boy hero to save his family and shit. But just every time it tried to expand upon the lore of the predator universe, which no matter what the nerds say is not that deep. Like, I'm sorry, the dark horse comics are something different, but like, like they tried to like tie in global warming and somehow made that into a reference to Twinkies as well. As I said, the parts where they try to expand upon the movie and the lore and this idea of of the greater universe, of the Predators universe, and especially how they try to set up for the sequel. It's all very, very stupid, which I think is fairly fitting, but it's also insanely stupid. And you should see it, but it's also incredibly, really, god-awfully stupid. Chris, do you have a favorite horror film? I don't. I don't watch too much horror. Um I'm trying to think. I mean, Apocalypse Now doesn't really count as horror. Uh, what, what? What's your favorite horror while I'm thinking about this? I mean, I, I've got to go with Alien.
3: Jeremy, do you have an answer?
2: Monday Night Football, last week. <laughs> I don't watch horror movies either, sorry. That's my literal
1: answer. It, it's It's Alien for me. I thought about it. It's Alien.
3: Yeah, I mean, Aliens are a really good answer. I, I don't watch a ton of horror films. Um, if I had to pick one, it would probably be. Batman and Robin.
1: Jesus, that was the other thing, too. Like every trailer leading up to uh, the Predator was for like every awful like they're, they're making another Halloween. And there's now a movie called Hellfest. Like every all these horror movies just look awful, man.
2: Hey, Ryan, horror doesn't stand for horrible, just so you know.
1: If I really wanted to be weird Twitter, I should have said Phantasma or something, but no.
3: I thought it was an abbreviation. I messed up.
1: Well, I'm looking through questions. We have some pretty... Okay, Joe Moore here. This might be a question to go out on. Do we trade Tate for a pick or two to get something before we don't (laughs) pay him in the offseason?
3: Kyle Yost would like to trade... Golden Tate.
2: Hold on, hold on. I'm actually gonna entertain this because if the Lions are 0-7 or 0-6 and, and the trade deadline is there, go ahead and trade Tate. What's I'm absolutely I'm absolutely go I'm absolutely for turning into a baseball franchise and selling.
3: Whoa, whoa, whoa hold on. Like so am I. Like completely though. Like you're trading yeah. Tate and you're trading Ansa.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, but like what are what like how much are you oh, we're going Quinn to, too,
2: honestly. Because I, I don't think any of those three guys are gonna be back anyways.
3: For, for for those guys i don't i don't care what it is you're just gonna get picks back you anyways get something just don't
1: don't have an ebron situation where you just cut the guy without getting anything
3: right yeah no i mean that that yeah i mean that the, won't happen but i mean di- the only
2: difference is with Ansa you might get a conditional pick with same with uh with Tate.
1: yeah you're giving them out as rentals like but i i think more teams should try to make swings at rentals why well, not that, that's man? the
2: one that's the one reason why they don't is because you can get conditional pick. you can get compensational picks if yeah. you if you hold on to them throughout the, the whole year so i mean if, if you can't get more than i would say a third round pick for golden tate then you don't trade him because you, you could get i i mean we saw what wide receivers got paid this offseason golden Tate could get really really paid and that means lines get a compensate compensatory pick
3: And everybody in Lion's fandom just groaned because Bob Quinn's draft classes have been fantastic over the past three seasons. just the best
1: Thank you for listening to the Pride Detroit. Cast. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Our main theme was produced by Brian Shepard. You can find him on Twitter and on SoundCloud at I Am Brian Shepard. I A M B R I A N S H E P A R D. Thanks a lot to him. Check out his stuff, he's been great. He gave us Victory Monday, so go check him out. That's I Am Brian Shepard. And thank you for everyone who keeps listening and makes us one of the greatest Lions podcasts possible. Y'all are awesome. See you, Star Side.
3: Till the tears run down from my eyes, Lord, somebody... Ooh, somebody can anybody find me
4: somebody to love Alexa play hits from Queen Okay somebody to love.
3: Somebody. With Amazon Music a voice is all you need Get tens of millions of songs download the Amazon Music app today
2: Hello I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation